Yeah, so I got some headphones for you right there, and then you can move this however you like it. And we'll we have a left or right. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's it's mostly just so you can you can hear that you're talking into the microphone at a good distance. Yeah, I had some friends that did the radio program at Delta, and yeah. when I was in San Francisco, some friends that did radio out at SF State. Oh, nice. So I got to do some radio shit, so I imagine, I've never done podcasts, but it kind of feels like radio, I'd imagine. Like, yeah, except yeah. it's pre-recorded. It's like radio, so you don't have to worry about. Yeah, a lot of live radio is pre-recorded, pre-recorded so it's yeah. not live, but yeah. yeah. Does that feel okay? Yeah, that's oh, cool. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, so uh, this is Songwriters Therapy. I'm here with uh, Meltor Shag- uh, Sagoon. Sorry, I almost messed it up again. <laughs> yeah, everybody does. Yeah, welcome to the to this podcast. Um, so I normally like to start out the the podcast asking the question uh, to to Melchor, why are you here on this podcast called Songwriters Therapy? Uh, I'm here because you asked me if I wanted to do it, but uh, furthermore, like when thinking about the idea too, yeah, and, and thinking about the podcast as a concept, it just seemed like something that was totally in within the like the sphere of stuff that i do yeah this is just the kind of stuff i do like yeah definitely i love talking about what like they say talk shop or whatever but yeah uh for for the arts especially and so i just like enjoy conversation about it so i was like oh this is totally up my alley yeah for sure yeah i mean i've uh i've known of you as as a musician for for probably a long time i think the the first time i may have seen you play was like at borders Oh, shit. Uh, with some some yeah. band uh, and wannabe trio, we were called then. Oh, the wannabe trio. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, and um, I think you guys were playing with Philbert back in like yeah. the first like the <laughs> yeah. first version of Philbert. Yeah, yeah, that was, and yeah. Uh, those were all my buds. Around so that same t- era, yeah. Yeah, um, shit, so and bad. like, but I like I I probably even met you at that show, but I uh, I feel like we never really. Um, connected until kind of recently yeah, yeah. i went out to one of your uh your poetry open mics and uh yeah I, it was great to to see that you were you're still like out there doing stuff Always. and uh well i mean like we we recently moved back to stockton so i'm like trying to oh cool yeah yeah know, that's right you're gone first yeah yeah exactly so i'm trying to like get back into the scene I, we've we've been back here basically since the summer okay um but uh but yeah so um Maybe uh, do you want to tell us like a little bit about like your your journey into music? Like, uh, I th- I feel like I always frame this question like, when was the first time you like picked up an instrument or realized like I want to do like I want to write songs and and sing mm. and and stuff like that? Yeah, that's a and that's a fun distinction too because so I grew up in a family that all played music. So yeah. my dad's family is from Mexico and mm-hmm. they came uh, to the states when my dad was like eleven or something like that because him and my uncle played jazz. Oh, cool. Uh, my grandfather was a mariachi. Mm-hmm. So uh, growing up, me and my cousins, we just had to play music. Yeah. Like we didn't, they didn't ask us. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you play an instrument. Yeah. And so I started, uh, my first instrument was a trumpet. Mm-hmm. And I played that like in elementary school. And, cool. And it was fun. And uh, and then I played alto sax for a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so horns and woodwinds. Uh, and I enjoyed it. And I knew music was, was like part of me. Yeah. Because... It was like wake up in the morning. My dad and my uncle would put music on. They had speakers laced through the house. Nice. Uh, so it was like every day was music yeah. from the morning to night. And so I knew music was was kind of built into me culturally. And, mm-hmm. uh, but it was in middle school when I started, I guess, uh, taking piano. Yeah. That I realized the the difference of the dynamic of having like an accompaniment to, mm-hmm. your, to your voice. Yeah. Because I also always sang. 
mm-hmm. uh, since I was a little kid. Me and my brother actually, uh, Snap Jackson, mm-hmm. shout out. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we would spend the night at his house. Uh, we have different dads, and we'd spend the night at his house and like practice harmonizing mm-hmm. when I was really little to like Boyz II Men songs and nice Tony 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 songs. And stuff. <laughs> uh, is this? Can I curse? Yeah, okay, yeah, shit. it's explicit. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> I'm like trying to tame my tongue. No, um, no, no worries. Yeah, so, so so singing was always something I did, and then I realized, oh, shit, like playing an accompaniment, you know, playing something I, I can use as an accompaniment to my voice was, yeah. was mind-blowing. And, I was, and so it was probably like in eighth grade that I realized like, oh, I want to do this. I mm-hmm. want to like sing and play an instrument. Yeah. Like it's, it, was, it had a, a different, um, like a different power to it. Mm-hmm. And then really in, in high school, uh, I started taking guitar. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, this, like, this is going to be, yeah, this is probably going to be what I, what I do now mm-hmm. like, because just that strength of being able to, to add words to mm-hmm. music was always something that I knew I wanted to do because poetry was very strong. Yeah. Like, since yeah. an early age. So I was like, oh, this is a perfect way to pawn off my poems on people mm-hmm. <laughs> in an acceptable manner. Like nobody wants to listen to you read poems back in the nineties. Uh, they, but they would listen to you play music. So it's yeah. a nice alternative. Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, I, I think that um, you especially are an interesting case, if I can call it that, of, of a songwriter where where you're like, you're a poet and a songwriter. Whereas like, I think all songwriters are poets Absolutely. and songwriters, Absolutely. you know, but they just don't realize mm-hmm. it. And you're like, you're like, I do both of these things and they work together and they work separately. Yeah. Um, whereas like, like with me, like I, I've never, I've never gotten up on an op- a poetry open mic and like read my lyrics. But when it comes to like writing lyrics, like it's like okay, you have like meter and you have to make sure it fits in this space mm-hmm. if you're doing that, or or if you're doing something that's like all like some type of song that is kind of like completely different than yeah. your structured song. That's still poetry too. It's just Absolutely. the the art and the craft of like manipulating words to tell your story or express your feelings. You know. Yeah, and that's I totally think that, uh, and I've gotten people into poetry on that kind of on that mm-hmm. tip, like asking them like, well, do you like song like do you like listening to songs like do you like the lyrics yeah. of songs like what are some lyrics that resonate with you mm-hmm. like that's a poem and it le- it resonates because of this metaphor that they're using or, or yeah and and it works with the rhythm of the song and stuff mm-hmm. so yeah uh, it was interesting because I felt like it was like a major click in my head when I realized like that I could play an instrument and, and sing my, and sing lyrics because yeah. I always felt like I concentrated a lot on the lyrical. I've, I've always concentrated a lot on the lyrical qualities of, mm-hmm. of my music, but I feel like that often is like the, the most overlooked aspect of, yeah. of anybody's music. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's unfortunate. <laughs> I, I put hell of time into it and then I'm just like, nobody even caught that. Yeah. I mean, I think lyrics are, are a funny thing because, um, Sometimes it is overlooked because people just want to listen to a good song yeah. with a, a good rhythm and like a good melody, right? Um, and then there's a peop- there are people who are like super into words. Like oh, these words yeah. have to be me- have to be meaningful for me. It's like for fans of like Bright Eyes, you know, they're like, yeah. "What oh, did yeah. he mean?" You know, uh, or sometimes it's like these lyric. The thing I love about Bright Eyes is not so much like what does he mean. It's more like how how did he mechanically manipulate the words in a way that works together so well and it's not even rhyming but they feel right they you know they lock in together that's actually one of my favorite things about the mechanics of lyrics 
when you you use words together that don't don't necessarily have this like cheesy rhyme scheme. Yeah, like I shouldn't a, say cheesy because I do. A, B, yeah, yeah, but they but they just lock in together, or they're like relational words where maybe like the center of the word has yeah. like a, a vowel that works together, mm-hmm. but like that ending consonant is not like internal rhyme. Yeah, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, so so nice. And I think that's like a, a very poetic quality mm-hmm. like that people bring to music. Yeah, because in in poetry that that's a main that's a major focus like, yeah oftentimes people will ask me when i tell them i write poetry they're like oh does it rhyme yeah yeah and like that's their first like does it, oh is it like formal poetry or is it mm-hmm. free verse i think is what they mean yeah uh and so yeah bright people like bright eyes yeah definitely more free verse yeah exactly and, and i think that's really cool when you can do that because it plays i really enjoy things that play with conventionality mm-hmm. so like that that totally plays on the conventionality of like a a b a b rhyme yeah rhyme pattern yeah like he does something different where the internal rhyme and yeah uh, exactly things like assonance and 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 alliteration and stuff can be used yeah like it's yeah. similarly and so yeah i always i always dig that and 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 he's interesting too like him and kind of i was listening to death cab so it kind of just mm-hmm. comes to mind i was just listening to them earlier yeah um, the way they split syllables yeah. sometimes like where it sounds like almost like you wouldn't say it like that. Yeah. Yeah. They say but, it differently than how you would say it if you're just having a conversation. Good because yeah. it's like interesting and it makes you catch that. Mm-hmm. And so I think people, there's ways to do that with your lyrics to play with conventionality in a way that will catch people's attention. Yeah. And that kind of brings the focus back to the lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I don't want to like, I always, uh, kind of relate in, in things that I've, I've written, but, um, I have this song and like I literally am forgetting my own lyrics right now, but I <laughs> I just time. know that like there's this uh, this line about like not being able like <laughs> losing your breath and I like I take a pause like right in the middle of the word mm. and and I I'm trying to like you're trying to tell the story with not even the word but how you pronounce the word yeah, or what you do uh, yeah, with yeah. the word like you wouldn't take a breath in the middle of that word but I I try to do it there in order to kind of like go beyond with the lyrics than you typically would yeah yeah that kind of transcends it and and i think that's just something something totally um not like uh specific to like a singer songwriter thing Mm -hmm. but i think as singer songwriters we get this opportunity to Mm -hmm. really do stuff like that yeah like it's not you know if you're writing lyrics to somebody else's music there's kind of these constraints and confines that you might find yourself in. Yeah. Whereas yeah. when you're doing it with your own shit, like it's kind of easier to bounce around and be freer with it. Yeah. I think that's what appealed to me about like writing my own songs as opposed to playing in a band as yeah. much. Like I mostly have been solo. Yeah. Traditionally I was kind of hard to, <laughs> I think I was kind of hard <laughs> to work with as, as a young person too. I, I was very, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of particular. I'm particular. Yeah. Yeah. I think as songwriters, we are particular, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I think that's why, um, within like my group of musician friends, like, uh, you know, there's the, the larger Stockton group and then we have these subgroups of people mm-hmm. who like yeah. went to school together or for some reason. Are in the same age yeah. range. Or, uh. Yeah, exactly. Um, and within my group, like we were all in the same band together, but they were all separate bands depending on who the songwriter was. <laughs> and it w- I think it was mostly because like we all had these very particular ideas and how we wanted songs and albums to be. So like Philbert was Daniel's thing and yeah. it had Mike in it and I was in it at some point and it had like our friend Johnny and like that was Philbert. And then Mike had his band Al Attack <laughs> yeah. where he was the songwriter and I had my band, you know, and it was all the same people more or less, 
but because we were like this is how we want to tell our story it was a completely separate band you know yeah like making that the the distinct uh the distinct difference in like, yeah exactly in focal point yeah was... yeah and and we were it was all very I, I mean it was all like indie rock of some sort or whatever you want to call whatever it is that happens when you play guitar and have a bassist and a drummer <laughs> in Stockton. It's kind of that. <laughs> but uh but it was like diverse in the it was a different voice and a different like writing style, you know, different song structures. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I a lot of my friends kind of cycled through bands together. And yeah. I was kind of always on the uh I was always on the outskirts. Yeah. Like, uh, when I was younger, my friends had a band called Optimus and, mm -hmm. and uh, that was during the new metal days, man. <laughs> the fucking new, and that was like around the time it was like the shambles. Yeah, and, I was gonna say, what were like the Stockton new um, metal bands? So it was Crypt like Orchid, the, Crypt Orchid. Yeah, was in. and and Steve, I still see Steve all the time. I still talk to Ernie from the shambles. We're all, yeah, we're all fucking shambles. old now. Yeah, shout out to all the old Stockton <laughs> cats. Um, but yeah, like uh, uh, I was always kind of on the outskirts of all the bands. Like I hung out with everybody and, yeah. and kind of jammed with them. Mm -hmm. But I think I had a more particular. Uh, I, I think I had a more particular sense of like what I wanted to do. And, and I knew that it wasn't that. And yeah. like, I liked that shit. Like I love listening to it Yeah, and I love heavy shit and I love moshing and yeah. just getting fucking crazy with your friends in a pit is awesome. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to hardcore punk shows and stuff. Yeah. But do I turn on hardcore punk like to listen to at home? Not really. Like, yeah. But it's like, so I kind of knew that it's not what I occupied in my own personal writing. So I kind of just mm -hmm. stayed on the, stayed on the fringe of all these bands and uh mm -hmm. did my own shit and like and then after a while i had the wannabe trio which was essentially uh me and and my friends um kenny osborne and uh milos uh Pena. oh i remember kenny yeah kenny he was skates. kenny the bassist or yeah he's okay. the bassist and uh so me kenny and milos did that and it was awesome because we had known each other for some years and it yeah was, it was easy uh, they were they were very cooperative and and brought their own individual stuff, which kind of helped me to see that uh, being in a band mm -hmm. is a cooperative Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. And that people can actually add to your vision. Yeah, definitely. Like, and I think I was stuck in this idea of like, my vision is mine, you know, this, yeah, this yeah. fucking this haughty and, and yeah. heightened sense of self-importance. Like, I can, I can only execute this the way I want. But then you realize like somebody can add something that mm -hmm. you didn't that you didn't think of yeah yeah that's my favorite part about being in a band Be before you were in in this or like kind of like over learned that um that kind of like benefit of being in a band did you ever try to write like all the parts like the bass and the drums and I stuff yourself did, yeah yeah and I, and I still do like yeah. uh all of my stuff has accompaniment that mm -hmm. i have in my head yeah yeah but uh do i ever you know take the time to recruit people not often so yeah if anybody wants to play bass and <laughs> drums with me i'm fucking open at open season here yeah i mean i think <laughs> there's this like split between all singer songwriters where there's like the singer songwriter the producer yeah and this because all singer songwriters are a producer of some form right yeah. they're like a, a conductor they're saying like you know no on this part you should play it more like this mm -hmm. and not like that or yeah. um and then, and then there's like the singer songwriter, the band member and the band member is like, here's what I have. What do you got? Yeah. And, and surprise me. And, and, and sometimes I feel like if, when you're too much of a producer, you can't, you might piss off your, yeah. your, your bandmates. <laughs> and, and I've always, I feel like I've walked a fine line. Sometimes I worry about, you know, pissing that. I mean, they've played with me for over 10 years now, so I think we might be all right. <laughs> you're past that. But, <laughs> but you know, there's definitely been times where. 
I was like, this is what I have. And they came to me and it like blew me away. I was like, yeah. I never would have thought of that. And then there's times when I was like, hey, I wrote this this lead. Can you play it? And they played it better than me. And so that blew me away even, too. Yeah, even. But at the end of the day, I think being in a band, whether whatever you're trying to do with that band, it's all about having a good time. Yeah. And if your friends aren't having a good time, like you got to find a way to make sure they're having a good time. Like, like this is what I wrote. Maybe this is what I recorded and this is what I put out to people. But like when we're playing a live show, play whatever the fuck yeah. you want. Like have a good time. And that's kind of how it was with, with Milos and Kenny. It was, it was like, it was mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that is important. important because as much as I wanted my shit to sound one way or whatever, if again, like you said, if you're, if you're not having fun and yeah. the people you're with aren't having fun, what do you, yeah, exactly. What are you doing? Like, yeah. Yes. This is an artistic, you know, endeavor and I want it to be precise and stuff, but yeah, I also want to fucking enjoy it. Like, yeah. I want, yeah. I don't exactly. Just be this austere and, and stoic. Like, yeah, I need it to sound this way. Cause yeah. Shit. The cool thing about live performance too, to me is like, it's an opportunity to take that art piece and reinterpret it another yeah, way. So it's hell. always fresh, you know, like if you're, if you're always playing exactly what's on the album, like on at the same tempo, yeah. the same notes, everything like, like number one, that gets boring for you. And like, if you're, <laughs> if you're starting to get popular, that might be boring for fans. Like I, I love when I have the opportunity to go to like a bigger concert, like even, even going to see death cab or something. And they, you know, a lot of times bands, especially like death cab, they will play what's on the record and yeah, play it like, but when they do something different, they, they mix it up. They like play, you know, they mash some songs together. Like that's, that's the thing that really like gets to me as a, as a like concert goer. Yeah. Same. You know, I I don't want to hear like, I kind of like, if I wanted to hear the album, I just listen listen to the album. album. Yeah. Especially when you're going to like a well-produced show where it's like the, there's a guy back there mixing and trying to make it sound like album album. quality. It's (laughs) like, that's cool. Cause I appreciate hearing like all the little nuances, but at the same time, it's like, the performance I want to see, I want to see something unique. I don't want to see the same performance I saw last time. Yeah, and I try to do that, like especially because I'm a solo performer. I try to do that a lot and yeah. mix up stuff. And it's funny because I did something I can't remember when I played at the Unknowns a few months ago. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out Unknowns. Yeah. Um, and my friend Tony was like, "Oh, I liked what you did with this one song. You did a different um, rhythm," and I was like. Oh, oh, I did. Yeah, sometimes you don't realize it. And I thought about it and I said, oh, shit, I don't remember. I don't remember what I did. Like, I wish I would have been paying more attention to that kind of stuff. And that comes from, I think, like, I don't record my stuff very much. And I'm actually Mm -hmm. just kind of starting the process of of recording some songs that I've had for fucking 10 plus years. Damn. Um, and so uh, uh, in, in doing that, I'm realizing like, oh, because I didn't really devote much time to recording, yeah, my stuff's kind of always been in this loose mm-hmm. flux state where yeah. I can play them differently because they're only what they are in my head yeah. and maybe what's on my YouTube. I put them mm-hmm. on my YouTube. Yeah. And uh, so because of that, I realized like, oh, that's how I can change the rhythm completely in a song mm-hmm. and then not even remember what I did because it only exists as this like, loose idea yeah i mean i think that's pretty cool i I had an album that i sat on for a long time before i recorded it and it was it was like that like the the songs weren't finished until they were officially recorded yeah and what and i found that once they were recorded and i don't think this is a good or bad thing we started playing them more uh i don't want to say precisely but like more to the template you know and and some of that has to do with you know not being able to practice very often so 
individually you just listen That's to the album and, yeah exactly yeah um but i i have wanted to like get into the habit of going like okay this on the album is an acoustic song but what would it sound like as a full band or like this is played on the piano what if we played it on guitar yeah. or vice versa you know because that opens up that can open up all kinds of stuff yeah like, even like technical stuff like yeah. har- like harmonics and yeah exactly and can open up when you play it on a piano versus a guitar yeah, uh, yeah. just from the linear layout of mm-hmm. a piano versus a guitar yeah yeah so stuff like that is fun yeah um uh, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like, you've been playing mostly mostly solo for a while now. What's, like... Uh, Long ass time. Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, like... Oh, actually, you know what? There is something I wanted to ask you about. Oh, sure. See, I don't have any notes. I'm just, like, going off the seat I of my pants. But, dude, did you do, um, did you do like, a, uh, a project with... Um, what's his name? Man, I'm totally blanking. Uh, Lonely Dances. I'm yeah, trying... Tim. Tim. Tim, yeah, yeah. yeah. We did a rap album together. Yeah. Dude, I haven't had a chance to listen to it. I'm oh, sorry. I just like I just realized that you guys did something together <laughs> like today. We worked, when on it... It for, we worked on it for yeah. a couple years. Uh, and that's actually how I got into songwriting a- a itself was through poetry and rap. Like, yeah. I, as a young kid, I was like a major hip hop head mm-hmm. like, coming in from the late 80s into the. So I'm like 30. I'm 36. Yeah. So in the late 80s, I was young, but my brother exposed me to hip-hop music uh, mm-hmm. really young. And when I was 11, 12, he was taking me to underground shows in the Bay Area. Yeah. And so writing raps was like what I originally started doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that would involve singing some parts. And I yeah. Was like, because I just was, a, I like to sing. Mm-hmm. And so like, I think that kind of, that fed into the songwriting with like composing and stuff because... It, it was something I knew I needed. I needed an outlet for lyrics. Yeah. So like when I found that I could write a song on the guitar, I was like, oh, this is the exact mm-hmm. outlet that I yeah. needed. And so, uh, and in, in, and in music circles, Tim and I have floated around each other for years. Yeah. Another used to one be of in those, Grunt like, Particle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 Brassai and shit. Brassai, uh, yeah, yeah. And so he was another one of those people, like we knew peripherally. Mm-hmm. We knew each other peripherally for many, many years. And then finally we became friends and his electronic stuff really vibed with me. And, and one day I was like, yo, like, let me write a rap to, to one of these. Yeah. And I did, and I sent it to him. And he was like, oh, shit, dude, like, let's do a whole album. That's awesome. Uh, and so we did, and it's like super, what I tell people I write is like existential rap. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, I'm not aggressive. <laughs> I'm not aggra- aggressive as a person. Sure. Uh, very much so. So my rap isn't aggressive. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it's called Stilt, Stilt Lives. Mm-hmm. So it is on Bandcamp, S-T-I-L-T-L-I-V-E-S, stiltlives.bandcamp.com. Nice. Uh, it's on there. Tim Lonely Dances, Tim, Hens- Tim Hester at Lonely Dances. Mm-hmm. Um, and me did it. Yeah, I rap and he produced the he produced the stuff. And I also have a solo rap album that, oh, I, cool. that I did in 2011. Mm-hmm. so many years ago now did you do did you do the music for mm-hmm. that like yeah i produced the, i made all the beats and i nice. rapped and stuff so that's on smokerbuddy.bandcamp.com <laughs> uh, nice. that's my own personal bandcamp. Yeah. so yeah like i did rap album and it's funny because i've done more rap albums than i have like singer songwriter yeah. albums, and yeah. it's and it's mainly because rap is a lot easier to, oh. to record oh yeah like there's not you know tracking fucking yeah. multiple tracks of guitar mm-hmm. and, and all this shit like and I think I kind of have always been intimidated by the recording process. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm the opposite, actually. Like, I I want... When I was younger, I was able to, like, make, like, electronic 
beats and stuff in this like very particular program that like we had at school actually oh, okay and and like the past couple of years i've been getting into more pop music not rap but just pop, pop, pop music. music and i'm like man i want to be able to like produce like i could play piano yeah. and like i know how i could play drums and stuff like why can't i do it? and i just haven't like it hasn't clicked for me like i get frustrated and then i end up sitting down at the drum set <laughs> and going like, this is how the beat should go how come i can't get it on on the computer you know yeah and what i did i was kind of like that and what i did was i bought a drum machine yeah so i bought a, a native instruments machine and mm. it has 16 pads and then i was able to do it yeah play the drums like, yeah in a sense and it made it a lot more intuitive and uh yeah because before uh, the the clicking on a, on a laptop for the other uh, aspects of producing a beat mm -hmm. was fine but when yeah. it came to the drums i i it just didn't feel it was too hard for me to get a natural feel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I spent hella money on a fucking drum machine yeah. that I haven't used since then. Oh, I mean, man. I made that album yeah. with it, and then it just has sit there, sat there. Yeah. Haven't we all done that as musicians? Years. Bought a thing that we're like, this is going to unlock everything for me, and then it collects dust after yeah. you use it the first time. I used it once, and nine years later, it's oh, still man. sitting there. And, and yeah. nine years later, that album is is what it is. Yeah, and it's, a, it's definitely kind of uh, amateurish mm -hmm. like in a lot of ways, but... I think it's cool because uh, I just like songwriting as a, as like a roadmap. Too. Yeah. Like when I think of a song I wrote or I hear a song I wrote, it's very distinct of a certain time in my life. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see how I've, what I've, how, what I've recorded or what I've written, how, mm -hmm. it, how it informs me about what I was like or what life was yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an archive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a sentimental person, like fucking crazy. So yeah, I attach like all of this sentiment to my stuff and I can remember like where I was when I wrote it, mm -hmm. what I was writing it about, like yeah. how I felt when I wrote it. What's your approach to like, uh, writing lyrics in regards to like, uh, like the length of time, like how, mm. like, do you like sit down and write a story and it's done or do you like write a verse and then come back to it like tell a me a little bit about that i do like bounce back and forth so mm -hmm. like uh, and when i'm writing a song on the guitar for instance a lot of times i'll find a chord progression mm -hmm. or something and i'll just kind of keep playing it over and over yeah and a lot of times oddly enough the melody kind of comes to me uh, with with impressions of lyrics yeah like, so, so i guess i'm just looking for the evocative qualities mm -hmm. of it yeah or whatever and i kind of let the mood of it kind of inform the melody what i'm trying to say yeah and then uh, since i'm a poet i kind of once i get what i'm trying to say mm -hmm. then i kind of step back yeah and i'm saying okay what are all the different ways in which i could say these mm -hmm. things you've got the concept yes. and kind of a template and now you're saying like what what are the other ways to say this yeah how, yeah and then i awesome. kind of think like and how will i fit that <coughs> mm -hmm. into a melody yeah so once i find what i want to say it's easy for me to run through like my vocabulary yeah. as I just play something and kind of hum it. Mm -hmm. I think when, when I start just humming stuff, it kind of starts coming out as words. Sometimes. And once I get like a little skeleton of it, then I'm able to, yeah, step back and be like, okay, I used this word a few times. Like, yeah. is that intentional or should I like, then I start getting more technical. Mm -hmm. now, I guess. So it starts as a very intuitive, uh, very intuitive thing. And yeah. then it turns into this, like, 
this technical thing mm -hmm. and i think that's just from my background in writing poetry like yeah i need it to be strong mm -hmm. you get the ideas down and then you edit and refine yeah i need it to be refined yeah. i need it to make sure like i really get annoyed with myself if i use the same word too many yeah. times yeah. or if i use the same rhyme even if i am rhyming like if i use that too many times i start mm -hmm. thinking okay maybe i should change that yeah and so it turns it, it starts very intuitive and then then my then my uh my technical side <laughs> starts yeah. coming in and like well you, that sounded kind of dumb like <laughs> maybe, like you kind of twisted that word a little odd so maybe mm -hmm. think of a different way you could say it where it's not breaking the word in half or something sure yeah uh so 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 my approach is is starts pretty loose yeah like i like to be kind of open-ended about it mm -hmm. uh and i'm one of those corny ass people who like the music makes me feel something, man. Like, yeah. Like, but I do, I do like, I react to music very physically and emotionally, mm -hmm. uh, as I think most people really do. Uh, it's, it's a fucking, it's like an exchange of vibration. Yeah. Which I'm not a fucking, I'm not a spiritual person really at all. Yeah. And I'm not any sort of like, uh, I'm not religious. I'm not spiritual. At yeah. All. So, so I'm not, I don't mean vibrations like this fucking, supernatural vibration but it's like a, it's literal vibrations like yeah the music is vibrating the air around you your body is feeling it yeah and I, and i don't know how anybody could listen to music and just stand still yeah or not feel something mm -hmm. so i guess likewise with my own stuff i just play it over and over until until i can tell what it's making me feel yeah and i do that with sure. i do that with songs i like too like yeah. if i find a song i like i have no problem listening to that song over and over for a couple of days. Yeah. And I will listen to the song hundreds of times mm -hmm. because I'm really trying to get like an understanding of what it makes me feel and why. Sure. Because that shit to me is while it is songwriting and self-expression, like music is so much more. Yeah. Like, and, uh, I think it's just such a powerful medium. Yeah. Yeah. For that sure. I know there's more mm -hmm. to the shit. Like, and I know if I listen to something, long enough and intently enough mm -hmm. i can make a sincere connection with what the person was trying to say yeah and yeah i can actually figure out what they're trying to say or at least get some impression of what they were trying to say or how they were trying to say it if the person has done mm -hmm. done their part and yeah. put, put it out honestly and, and put themselves honestly into it yeah for sure and so i think i do that with my own too like i want to make sure it's honest yeah i i think like that's one of the things that people connect with the most there's definitely people who get popular and they're dishonest in their music you know i a lot of pop is like gone through a bunch of different writers yeah. to go like how does this you know mechanically make a hit how can we repeat the same word over and over mm -hmm. again to make like an earworm but yeah. like man with me the music that connects with me is the one that i listen to it and maybe i don't know that person's life but i'm like they are being real like yeah. this is this is someone who is going through something and they're putting it down and yeah. they're and they're putting it out to the world you know and I think that's it's it's absolutely not I was gonna say visible, but you don't I mean Yeah, yeah. For lack of a better term, you know, it, it's noticeable when somebody it has that raw yeah. honesty. And even within even within kind of genre stuff, like I remember really connecting with um in the nineties, I'm gonna date myself hella hard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was hella into Brian McKnight. Yeah, uh, who's an R and B singer, songwriter. Yeah. And I was so much more into him than say like boys to men mm -hmm. because while they were really talented mm -hmm. a lot of their stuff was being written for them or, or for, for the express purpose of, of being pop uh whereas brian mcknight played piano yeah and guitar 
and you could tell when he was playing and singing that it was mm. him, him doing both. Yeah. And uh, Brian McKnight, the crying shoulder. I'll be. No, I'm not even gonna try to sing. No, it. that's a. Uh, uh, that's a. Uh, 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 oh fuck. Are you thinking I'll be your crying shoulder? Yeah. That's fucking. Uh, uh, I don't remember. No, Brian McKnight was the R&B dude. Yeah, man, I know Brian uh, McKnight like at least one of his had, hits, but. A, remember what the really popular one last cry was a really popular mm-hmm. one anytime do i ever cross your mind anytime uh but <laughs> sorry he, to distract from yeah, the whole story but but just just, like he was night. so he that. was so raw like yeah. and i could tell it was him writing the shit and mm-hmm. i could tell it was him saying it and so even within like specific genres you can tell mm-hmm. which people those and so when i was younger people who really resonated with me for that reason were like Stevie wonder. Yeah. Because I felt like he was always singing something that was true. Yeah. And it just felt good. Uh, Fiona Apple mm-hmm. who I could just fucking tell was being honest. Yeah. I'll dare anybody to say <laughs> otherwise. Uh, and Ben folds. I was oh. like super, super into Ben folds five, like so fucking Ben hard. folds five is one of my favorites. The, uh, the, the album, whatever and ever amen is yeah. fucking top my, some of my top uh, shit. Is yeah. Like, that album's hard. Yeah. And, uh, and you could tell, like, even when he was being playful and the lyrics were being, you know, uh, it was like a, a kind of satire or whatever. Yeah. It was still like an honest, his sense mm. of humor was yeah. honest. That guy is, is definitely someone who is not only a great lyricist, but is also talented at making sat, like, uh, making you know when he is being sarcastic. Yes. Where sometimes, like, it, it, even when I write my own stuff, I want to write something that's sarcastic, and I'm singing it, I'm like, does this make me sound like a dick, or do people get that I'm, like, being sarcastic, yeah. you know? He's really good at that, yeah. and, and I always hella love that, and I used to, like, when I when I started writing songs, I was like, I want to write songs that sound like Stevie Wonder, <laughs> Fiona Apple, and Ben Folds put together, and oddly enough, like, I kind of did. Yeah. Like, I kind of did write stuff like that, and I kind of still do, like... I think my, my influences are hella obvious in, mm-hmm. in my shit. Like, and w- if you were to look at my music catalog and see what I have written and compare it to the shit I was listening to, especially yeah. during those times and especially during my formative yeah. times, like through middle school, uh, when I was kind of developing this idea of wanting to write songs, it was so much Ben Folds, so much yeah. Fiona Apple, so much Stevie Wonder. Like they nice. were, they were the pinnacles. Yeah. And then later, people like uh, man, there could be like worse influences. Oh, you know what I mean? I mean like I you hello- definitely <laughs> pick some good ones. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, I, I listen to so much other shit that could have influenced me for the worse. Like I listen to corn. Yeah. <laughs> like we, <laughs> we. This this I, podcast uh, <laughs> could have gone a completely different way. <laughs> I like unironically listened to corn and Limp Biscuit. Yeah. Like, so much too. Like Dude. so fucking much. We were so into it. I, I've yeah. seen them in concert more times than I think I want to admit. Yeah, man, circling back on actually some of those new metal bands, like, there's definitely a time when I was younger when I loved Papa Roach, <laughs> yeah. and yep. and I liked, and Corn Limp Biscuit were fine, and then there was a point where I realized, like, this is kind of some, like, cheesy, lyrical stuff, yeah. and now I feel like I've gotten to the point where it's like, I know it's cheesy, and I know it's kind of, like, bad, but for some reason, like, I love Last Resort, you know? <laughs> like, that song is just, just like, there's a reason why it was a hit, even though, like, <coughs> as, like, a uh, a, cr- uh, a critic, kind of, of yeah. songwriting. I don't want to say I'm, like, a, a super critic or anything, but I like to deconstruct, right? <coughs> yeah, me Sorry, too. Sorry. Uh, I do, too. You, do you need to take a break or anything? No, we're good. Okay. 
Um, but but yeah, there's something about it's it's like the reason you like a bad movie. You know, yeah. it's like the reason you like Mars Attacks. Like I know Mars Attacks is a great movie, but it's made to be it's like a B be movie. You know, and I and I can't even front. Like I will be the most honest ever with people right now and say that I have recently listened to Got the Life and been like. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. And I know it is, but it's for some reason I think it reminds me of a of a better time. And even some bands I, I, I can't even front, I can't front. I still listen to Deftones here and there. Dude, I Because they're they they were yeah. more they were definitely more melodic than yeah. a lot of that stuff. And yeah. so uh them and I was like hella into Alien Ant Farm for some time. Yeah. Yeah. Um and around that same time, like Jimmy Eat World, like uh, shit like that. And yeah, like, that was you started kinda, getting that like poppy emo happening that at it the was, same time as yeah, new metal. Yeah, yeah, hella. And uh, it was these cool because I wanted melodic stuff. I didn't yeah. care what kind of music it yeah. was. Truly, like I just wanted melodic stuff. You're a fan of melody. Yes, dude. I'm the same way. That's why I like I like all genres. Like yeah, it can and be anything. and that's like uh, I always say I'm not like a big I'm not. I can't speak very well about rap or anything, but I fucking love Doggy Style because oh, the there's album? yeah because oh, there's the so much classic. good. I mean, first of all, the lyrics are like clever, even though they're dirty. Yeah, yeah. And, it was a time. but like yeah, and like pro- those lyrics are problematic. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It was a time. But dude, like the melody in that album, even when they're not singing, there's melody in the lyrics and melody in the music, and then there's like I think it's like Nate Dog comes yeah, through with comes the through with far. the melody you know and i'm just like like this speaks to me you know and i mean that's back in dr dre's like you know dr dre and those other producers from around that time that's when they were at their it's like golden that years. was uh, yeah, their yeah golden time like yeah they were really putting shit out that was because it was also new for the time too. yeah it's yeah. it sounded wholly wholly different and wholly new and mm-hmm. while it had this kind of gangster element yeah it was heavily based on this like kind of slump funk like slumpy funk yeah it was, was very, very californian funky, yeah. the bass lines on that whole album oh, like dude. i'm a yeah. i'm a bass player at heart i always say and like i just i just can't quit like just give me that bass the bass lines yeah on as like single tracks and i'll listen to that you know uh and yeah that album actually has some crazy hard bass lines mm-hmm. uh, and that was just their heyday. Yeah. And, and like you said, the lyrics are are undoubtedly problematic. Yeah. And because of it, because of that, I oftentimes have trouble listening to yeah. some of it. But mm-hmm. I can't deny that it's like super nostalgic for me, especially yeah. because I grew up in I grew up on Southside Stockton. Right? Yeah. And so growing up in a in a super like urban and disenfranchised community, mm-hmm. uh, as with like brown people in my family and all around me, like rap music was totally identifiable for me. Yeah. And so I was, I was in it. And when that album came out, like I can remember just mm-hmm. being so fucking like so fucking hyped on it. And yeah. same with like all eyes on me mm-hmm. when Tupac's album, all eyes on me came yeah. out. And a lot of that was produced by, um, Devante, who was in the group called Jodeci mm-hmm. where Casey and Jojo would. would okay. I know out. Casey and Jojo. So yeah. Casey, Jojo, Devante. And I can't remember the other fourth guy's name. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Fourth guy in Jodeci. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they had this like much more melodic yeah like uh, all my like, life right is the case yeah, and yeah. Jojo hit yeah but Devante had this really cool like yeah like almost like what what were they called like ghetto classical vibe like to yeah. shit like and so it made all eyes on me have this like much more melodic sense these these melodic sensibilities that were not always as present in rap yeah and doggy style the same way so like yeah shit like that Mm -hmm. in rap especially always appealed to me yeah i have i i love when i hear a fucking good bass line in a rap song yeah yeah definitely uh, the kendrick lamar song um 
it's the first track on to pimp a butterfly and i think thundercat's playing bass yeah and that dude's fucking insane yeah so yeah i mean as as like a very like outside observer of of rap i feel like there was a time in like the early 2000s where um the music the beats of rap were produced to be played like on a car stereo and they'd have like the bass lines of the, (laughs) they're very slow bass lines, you know, which is rattle bass. Yeah. Which was like, that was the style, but I feel like they lost that, the stuff that they had when it was like, you know, super complex funk, like funk inspired. It was more funk inspired and it's coming back to that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. which Which is tight because that's the kind of shit I like, especially coming back with people again like kind of on the singer songwriter tip it's like producer rappers like yeah tyler the creator yeah yeah or, yeah. or earl sweatshirt mm-hmm. like those two dudes i love those two dudes because they're young mm-hmm. i mean younger than me uh, <laughs> earl's substantially younger than me i think uh, but who have like a singular vision yeah and you can hear it in mm-hmm. in the stuff they produce and in the way they rap over the stuff they produce yeah and they just both have a lot more melodic sensibilities mm-hmm. than than a lot, some other rap and while there's other rappers who really push to to seem like they're melodic, like I don't know, I can't, I can't get down with Drake. Like I just don't like. Yeah, him. Uh, yeah. But he's he's more of a melodic based rapper. Like mm. he he pl- he lets himself sing and he does all this stuff. Uh, but more so than him, I think because he's not like a producer rapper. Yeah, it's not his own shit that he's singing over. Like I think uh, Tyler and, and Earl, they have that they have that same kind of dynamic that we as singer songwriters yeah. have. Where, it's it's in their head. Mm-hmm. Like they can hear how they want it to sound. They yeah. just have to get it out. Yeah, exactly. And I love that description too. Like it's in your head and you just have to get it out. Yeah. Like I felt that so many times. Like there's a song there. Like, <laughs> and I get so frustrated when I yeah. when I'm like having trouble getting it out too. Like some sometimes when I'm working on a song, I'll be racking my fucking brain just yeah knowing I can do something different with it and like knowing it's stuck and yeah you ever have that chord progression and you play for like three years and like <laughs> yeah. and you even have maybe have a melody but like the song just doesn't happen and then finally you, like the dam breaks I have one that I've been doing that with right now for like a year I've yeah I've had this like these two these two um, parts of a song mm-hmm. that I've just been playing and I have a melody with it and I've tried different lyrics and yeah uh, they haven't clicked yet. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of like frustrated because it doesn't usually happen so much. Like usually the lyric come, like I said, with the melody. Yeah. And this one is really giving me trouble. So it's like, and I almost feel like this is what's making me want to branch out and play music with other people. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, maybe I could bring this to somebody mm-hmm. and they could play something over it. That'll make, that'll change my perspective. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because maybe I just need a, a sometimes you need that shift. Yeah. And, and, I worked recently on a duet poem, which I've never done. Oh, cool. Uh, and I performed it in uh, Modesto at the State Theater. Mm-hmm. And the place was full, so it was like a pretty solid crowd of like six, 700 people. Uh, nice. And it was the first time I'd ever done a duet poem. But it was so much fun because I realized that people like seeing people doing shit together. Mm-hmm. And as much as I enjoy seeing a singer-songwriter play one of their songs it's also really fucking cool to see two people play a song together yeah. and to see it come together. Yeah. Yeah. Or to see a whole band play. It, yeah. Furthermore, like an orchestra or a mm-hmm. symphony, you know, to see all yeah. these multiple parts moving together to make a, to make a, a seeming whole. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and so I think that's, I'm really, I think that's the next step, even though I'm already 36. I'm like, dude, I'm it's fi- never I'm too late. It's never <laughs> too late. I'm finally realizing like, yeah. Oh, now's the time I need to like, start working with other musicians. And I actually, over the last f- five or six years, have worked with uh, my good friend Tony Avila, 
mm-hmm. who played in Optimus actually back mm-hmm. in the day, and second string quartet with my brother. They were like a kind of bluegrass fusion, bluegrass soul fusion kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend. I think I remember that. Yeah, actually, was a bunch of my friends and my yeah. brother. Snap uh, was the singer and played banjo. Yeah. Uh, but Tony has wrote accompanying parts to a few of my songs. Cool. And there's it's so fucking like again corny sentiment but it's like it's a it's a magical kind of quality that yeah i didn't realize could happen like i was like oh shit like so this is what happens when somebody who understands your your music when they add to it and i think that's what the being in the band scared me more so not because i was afraid they couldn't execute my vision what i realized it was that i didn't think they would understand it Mm-hmm. And so it's if, if somebody has an understanding of your vision or they understand you as a person, I think it's it opens up that collaboration and, and lets them add to it as opposed to to stepping on your creative toes or whatever the like yeah. whatever shit I felt like was going on. Like I felt like somebody might interfere with my vision. Yeah, for Where, sure. Whereas now I feel like they just can compliment it. Yeah. Like yeah. Because now I know the people I would ask to play music with. Mm-hmm. I, I would trust them. Yeah. Like, and I think before it was just a matter of trust. Yeah. Trust is super. I mean, I always, uh, bring music, playing music with other people back to a relationship, like trust and communication (laughs) are just as like being in a band is a remote, a romantic relationship with like three other people. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I'm polyamorous. So that's actually something I'm used to, (laughs) (laughs) which is odd. I never thought about. Dude, I never thought dude, about comparing work out for you. Well, at least at this point now. <laughs> Theoret- yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, theoretically. Maybe that's why I'm ready. Yeah. See, thanks, yeah. Polyamory. You helped me find a <laughs> Maybe you'll help me find a band, too. Yeah. Yeah, dude, uh, I want to apologize. I was using my cell phone for a minute no. there. Um, I use but, my cell phone all yeah. the time. Uh, also, I want to bring it back to a point you made earlier that I super identified with about uh, not being like a necessarily spiritual person. I'm the same way. I, I've like identified as atheist since I was like in the sixth grade, yeah, you know, same. but the closest thing I have to religion is, is music. And yeah. I don't want to say, uh, I totally like vibed with what you said about like the vibration of music affecting you in like this physical, emotional way. Absolutely. I love that. But also like to me, at least there is this magic in music that I can't explain. Yeah. And I yeah, feel yeah. like, you know, I'm super comfortable with not being able to explain things. And I think maybe that's why some people have religion is because they want to explain things. Oh yeah. That's and like to me playing with someone else, like you were mentioning, like you can't get through the song. And so like, maybe, maybe there's this whole new perspective, like playing with someone else and they play something that surprises you and changes Mm -hmm. your perspective on it. Like that's one of the things that like hits me like physically and emotionally that is like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? with Like my body and music, like, it, it just feels so good, you know? And I think that there is that kind of, uh, that inexplicable quality of, yeah. of what music can do. Yeah. And I mean, we've all, I think we've all felt it. Like yeah. anybody who really appreciates music has been listening to something and you don't know why, but suddenly you just feel some, like some yeah. overwhelming sensation. Yeah. That's why like, we get like favorite songs and favorite bands or, or yeah. like, that's why we want to write songs. That's, I, yeah. that's why I'm a singer songwriter. We, we, we want to give that to yeah. people. I, I, I want people to hear my shit and yeah. feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, and I think it's a, a, almost like, yeah, like I, 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 I have something to say. People say, you know, oh, you write poetry or you write music songs because you have something to say. Yeah. But it's almost more so like. I have something to like feel like yeah, I yeah. have something that I felt that I want other people to feel because 
in the end, like the only way we can really connect with other people is by shared experience. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, since I, since I'm not a spiritual person mm -hmm. and I don't believe in, in any sort of like supernatural things, like yeah. that kind of magic is, is what I find in, in sharing music. Yeah, like definitely. When you have a, when you have a song you really love and then you meet somebody who really loves that song. Like, yeah, that's why you want to play shows and that's why you want to record yeah. and stuff is because you want to share, share your thing. Yeah. And I think that's what, like, uh, uh, I think we, some, so much of our culture makes that seem weird. Yeah. Like, uh, uh and, and unnormalized, mm -hmm. which is strange to me because when I really feel something really deeply, I can't help but want to talk about it. Yeah. Like I can't help but want to tell somebody how mm -hmm. I feel about something or how I feel about them or how I feel about what they're talking about. Yeah. And so when I write something, my first impulse is to share it. And, yeah. And I just have always been that since I was a teenager. It was, it was this idea of like, I made this for me. Yeah. But really also I made it to share it. Yeah. And so I always had this idea of art having a cycle. Mm. Like a, a, you, you make it, but only until you share it and it's responded to. Yeah. Like has it, you know, only then will it have completed its cycle. Mm -hmm. And so like I felt in order to, which I'm not saying this is the way for everybody, but yeah. for me to validate yeah. what I had made, mm -hmm. I needed to have a response to it. Yeah. Uh, whatever that response was going to be. So, mm -hmm. so the only way to get that response was to perform it. Yeah, definitely. And I think since poetry, when I was younger, poetry wasn't as accessible as mm -hmm. a performance art yeah. as it is now. Yeah. Uh, so playing songs was much more accessible. Mm -hmm. And I realized like, oh, this is a way that I can quickly and acceptably <laughs> like, mm. like share my emotions. Yeah. It's a great way to package feelings. Yes. Yeah. And, so, and, and it's a palatable package. Yeah. People, everybody listens to music. Yeah. I've only met like two people in my life who are like, I don't really like music. And I'm that like, is the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Like I people are like, I don't listen to music. Like, all right. First of all, dead? I don't, I don't fucking believe them because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you do, you listen to whatever's just on. Yeah. You don't actively yeah. decide what you listen to. Like mm -hmm. you're listening to what's on in the restaurant. Yeah. Or what's on in your fucking car or what's on at your friend's house. Yeah. Nobody doesn't take in music. That's virtually fucking impossible. Yeah. Uh, in this day and age. So mm -hmm. it's like, you're just, you're just a passive you're just a passive ass listener, which is weird to me. I can't be a passive yeah. viewer or, or a passive audience to any art. Yeah. Like I, I have to actively engage myself with it. Mm -hmm. And whether it be going to a museum and looking at paintings or looking at a sculpture or, or listening to music or hearing somebody read a poem. Yeah. Uh, I think that that kind of active engagement with music is probably what, defines a lot of singer songwriters too like you said mm -hmm. you have a need to like deconstruct yeah yeah and i think a, as a singer songwriter that's just a that's kind of a national a natural extrapolation of of what mm -hmm. we're doing in the first place like, yeah because we're putting these emotions into it and piecing it together to give this packaged idea of what we felt we know that somebody who wrote a song is also doing that. yeah yeah and exactly so we need to figure out like yeah and you like how did they do it's it, part of it's like how do they do that and then there's a follow-up of like how did they do that so I can do that? Yeah. You know, how can I how can I borrow their tool set to make my tool set better? Exactly. Yeah. Or or learn from them like yeah. how they even used an existing tool you had that yeah. you're like, oh yeah. shit, I didn't They use it in a different way. I didn't, I didn't know I could, I could do, do that. And yeah. so I really appreciate like 
people they'll call like literary songwriters, mm-hmm. like people who are very poetic. I just discovered a band recently called Hopalong. Oh, I love Hopalong. Fucking fire, dude. So good. If yeah. Hopalong, the singer, what's her name? Fran- Frances, Frances Quinlan. If you she ever, just put out a solo album. If you ever hear her music, like just actively listen to that yeah. shit. And it's like so engaging and, and like hearing that sp- re- kind of re-sparked my, my urge to find more. Mm-hmm singer songwriters like yeah because i was like oh yeah there's probably a whole shitload that i haven't heard that are recent you know yeah and i always connected to those people as as a growing musician Mm -hmm. Uh, almost like you know almost all my favorite albums i can think of were like kind of singer songwriter focused stuff yeah whether it be transatlanticism oh man or or, um uh win the pawn by fiona apple Mm -hmm. or like uh uh, actor by saint vincent Mm -hmm. uh, or uh uh Music of My Mind by Stevie Wonder, all of these have like this very distinct visionary quality. Yeah. Where I could tell it was this one person really trying to express something. And mm-hmm. I just, as, as an emotional kid, like I was just a fucking crazy emotional kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I needed that to see that that was a, a valid coping mechanism. And to see that these people had put out such emotional stuff yeah. and it had been received mm-hmm. so well and so popularly. I mean, Fiona Apple was wildly popular for how incredibly like morose she could be mm-hmm. or for, you know, how somber, yeah. how somber some of her music could be. She was incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. And I think it reaffirmed that like this idea that there are people that want to hear yeah. Like what are each other are feeling. Yeah. And so I've kind of banked on that. My, I've kind of banked my whole life on that. So, <laughs> so I hope it's fucking true. Like, yeah, <laughs> but I do, I do know it is true because I've met people through music who I know have that same appreciation mm-hmm. and other singer songwriters who, who have that same kind of attentiveness to, to the process sure. and, and to what goes on behind the, behind the song. Yeah. Because I like to picture when I'm listening to a song and I'm kind of figuring out what they mean, I kind of like to imagine what could have been going on in their life. Mm-hmm. Like, is yeah. this about a friend? Is it about mm-hmm. a lover? Is yeah. Is it about a loss, like a death loss? Or is it a loss, like a parting of, of ways of people? Yeah. Like, there's all yeah. these ways that these terms can mean. And part of the fun is the puzzle of, yeah. of, of art and figuring it out. And, yeah, not all art is, can be broken down to an exact thing. Yeah. But I think those interpretive the interpretive challenge of it is, is something I, I definitely, I definitely approach all art and especially music Yeah, with that same, like, I got to figure out what they were trying to, yeah. what they were trying to say. One of the things I love about being friends with like a lot of musicians and songwriters, especially people that I'm just like close with is listening to, to their music, yeah. knowing what they're going through yes. beforehand and going like, oh man, like that's how they're interpreting that situation. Like you hear them like actually men- mention something you've witnessed them go through and you're like, oh my, like it's such a special thing. Like there's, there's, you know, listening to music you just like and trying to interpret it because you don't know that person. But when you know someone too, you know what they're going through and then how they process that through their mind and then express it out to the world. I think that's like, I don't know, it's a, a super cool and kind of rare thing that maybe you can experience with like, five people in your yeah. life maybe if you're a musician you know yeah uh, there's there's definite songs of my friends that when i hear them play it i'm like oh yeah i know like there's one that comes to mind a good friend of mine icarus jones he yeah he's been rapping around town for a long time yeah uh, and he has this song called ups and downs mm-hmm. and we were living together at the time he was making this album yeah and so when i listen to that song i'm just like oh shit like it's so crazy to know somebody personally mm-hmm. and i don't have to do that whole yeah 
the whole deconstruction process, yeah, yeah. I kind of have a good idea of what, yeah. what the words kind of mean. And it is like so interesting. And that kind of reaffirms me again, like mm-hmm. on that, there is something behind the shit, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause I've seen myself do it and I've seen other people I know do it. Yeah. And so it, it, they're like putting their real self out there. They're yeah. being honest. Like and, we were talking about and earlier. It urges me to find that like more in, in music and in their music. And so that's why I was so glad to find hop along because yeah. it's, she's totally that. Yeah. Like, it's totally, yeah. she's putting every and anything like, mm. that she has. In this is the, the real her. In yeah. The song. And that's something I, like you said earlier, you touched on something about like being honest like, yeah. in, in your, in your shit. And to me, that's like the number one goal. Like, is, yeah. is this, is this an honest representation of, of me as a person or mm-hmm. what I was feeling at this time? Yeah. It, it like songwriting, like I feel like there's this really cool thing you're touching on too, about being uh, technical and refining your songwriting pop process, but it's almost like, you still want to be un you want to be unfiltered in emotion and meaning, but uh, but refined in expression. Yes, yeah, you know, and like execution. Yeah, yeah and execution. Yeah, because I think like I think being a little like kind of having that side of me that wants to refine stuff. It's mostly uh, like I feel like it used to be this idea. I, I legit used to think I was kind of an elitist. Mm-hmm. like like a lot of us are yeah yeah we just think we fucking know yeah everything and especially the younger you are the more yeah and so back know. then i think it was more like this idea of i wanted to refine it to prove something mm-hmm. yeah like i wanted to prove that i could do technical shit or that i understood mm-hmm. music technically in an era that was full of pop music like yeah in, in, when i was in high school i started high school in 1998 mm-hmm. and uh fucking pop music was raining the yeah world yeah there. and so like yeah. shit like the spice girls and yeah yeah it was definitely the time of the boy yeah. band and Absolutely. like britney spears was happening in sync all of that stuff and so during that time it was like this idea like oh i needed to prove that i was a a, a musician's musician yeah. yeah but now i realized like you can take those shitty aspects of your personality and like also refine them mm-hmm. and I, what I've turned that into is that I know that by refining it, I can um, communicate what I'm saying just more efficiently. Yeah. And so now it's not a matter of feeling better mm-hmm. than anyone. It's about it's about refining it in such a way that I feel like it'll get my point across yeah. more clearly. Yeah, exactly. It's about communication. I'm it's about com- exactly. And yeah. like you said, like communication and trust. Yeah. Like yeah. in growing up, I've learned the values of those just as, yeah. as you don't concepts. just need those with your bandmates. You also yeah. need those with your listener. You need yeah. great yeah. communication. You need, you need to be able to trust and as a listener, right? Yeah. You as a listener, you need to saying, trust that they're being, they're being honest with you. Exactly. You know? That it's exactly that now. Like I, I, I refine it in order to present it more um, successfully yeah. so, so that the execution is, I have to refine the execution so that the point gets across without, uh, with as little trouble mm-hmm. as possible while still leaving it interpretive. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a person of, of like my songs are, are not as open to interpretation as other artists. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, so I kind of, since I have something I'm really trying to say, yeah. it's important for me to make sure I'm saying it in the right way. You want someone to know what you're singing about yes. rather than, than maybe like, here's some, here's some no, I abstract, am the th- shit. yeah, like, here's some <laughs> abstract thoughts. Like you take it and do what you will, yeah. you know? And there's yeah. quality in that too. I yeah. love shit like yeah, that. Yeah. Too. I love stuff like that too. Uh, yeah. But that's just not how I, I've yeah, never, yeah, I've never really sure. been that way as a writer myself. Yeah. So 
yeah, I think my, the, the, the refinement process that I go through now is not one of ego. Mm -hmm. It's more of like, um, I hate saying practicality cause it, I don't want to sterilize the shit, but like, yeah. it, it is a practicality in a sense that's like, I'm trying to convey the shit as quick as possible because for one, it's just a song you're only going to listen to in a matter of a couple minutes. Yeah. And also on the larger scheme, it's like, we're going to fucking die soon. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I got, I'm trying to fucking hurry up. Like you, yeah. you got to get this because I'm fucking dying soon. And I need you to understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, especially when I write a song or, or a poem about someone, mm -hmm. I feel like I try that, that refinement process becomes like even more yeah. heavy because yeah. I'm like, if they're going to hear it, I need them to know it's about them. <laughs> so. Ooh, that, so that is like, that's pure honesty. I really respect that. Cause there's also, I mean, I feel like I've, I've been in the situation where I, I've obviously written about particular people mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, I think about these songs that like older, like pop rock people, used to write and they'd use like someone's name and it was probably a fake name i'm guessing <laughs> yeah, right probably. you know like uh, some old like my Beatles Adelaide. song or something yeah my exactly Adelaide. and and i think about that and i'm like i wouldn't even be, feel comfortable using like a fake name in my <laughs> in my songs because like that just number one sounds so cheesy and then the other side of it is like do i want this person to know these like shitty things that i'm feeling about them <laughs> you know so i feel like i might have been a little bit um a little bit like reserved and secretive mm. when i'm writing yeah. about a particular person but i also i also like to approach songs in the way of like these might be inspired by a person but they're about me yeah and yeah. i'm and like they're they're kind of me singing to myself about like a situation or, or reminding me of like something that I've yes. gone through and that I've dealt with and either like, maybe I'm not over it and that's what the song's about, or maybe the song helped me get over it yeah, or something, you know? <laughs> and a lot of it too, I think is like a, a as a, as a poet and a songwriter, mm -hmm. I'm sometimes not writing to a specific person. There's like a, a, a group or yeah. set of people that yeah. have inspired it. And I'm yeah. kind of writing to like a, an amalgamation of them. Yes. Like yeah. uh, it's, it's one poem, but it's, I feel to that. various people yeah. I, for various I, reasons. Yeah, I have those songs that maybe it's like it's been inspired by three different people who made me feel the same way. You know, yeah, yeah. like maybe I've been in these three different relationships and regardless of what they were, romantic or not, like they they like they poked this part of me that was like a pain, you know, <laughs> a pain point. And uh, and like now, like this verse is inspired by this person and the events that happened with that person. This verse is about yeah. the events that happened with this other person that made me feel the same way. Yeah, it's about yeah. that emotional yeah. or the evocative quality of yeah. the relationships. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, and I do like, I'm not, I'm not fucking, I'm pretty overt with my shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> like when I write a poem or a song about somebody like, uh, I, I dated a librarian. Yeah. And, like I wrote a poem about them before we dated and it was totally just using library terms. Yeah. Like, like, oh, dude, I love that. I love that. It was set in a fucking yeah. way. I like write about somebody who's a painter and I use, yeah. fucking, you know, painting imagery. I write about somebody who's a, 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 a sculptor and I, and I use molding imagery. I write yeah. about someone who is, who is a, a, a like who 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 makes things like a, a makes clothes and I'm you I'm using sewing terminology whatever the fuck yeah I'm pretty overt about the shit and and, <laughs> and part of me is like at one point I asked like a fucking question on my Instagram story that was like when you write something about someone like do you fucking make it weird and tell them yeah 
or just don't be a fucking weirdo and and not say anything. Yeah. And I kind of always teetered on, <laughs> I've teetered on the line of whether or not I should tell them or not. And I mm-hmm. think that's why I, I will sometimes write something so overt. Because, so they just know. So they, so I don't yeah. have to make that. I don't have to make that initiative. I can just, <laughs> yeah. I can just put it on them. Like, okay, now it's on your, now it's your responsibility. What I feel about you is your responsibility. No, that's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not I, like that. But so they know. Like, and I don't have to do this. Like, I wrote you a song. Like, yeah, I wrote you a poem because I've done that shit too. Yeah, thinking <laughs> thinking about it now, I do have this one song called "Gluten Free," <laughs> and like. There's only one person that could be about, you know. And if they hear it, they're gonna be like, oh, yeah. And know. it's not a nice song. Like I, d- like I don't know. I, I don't want to say I feel bad about writing my not nice songs, because like I said, at the end of the day, they're they're kind of a reflection of me. Like sometimes they're a marker. Sometimes they're like they're not nice to myself, you know. Yeah. Sometimes they're not nice to other people, and I, I do feel kind of bad about that. But at the same time, it's like we're all just like on this journey in life and sometimes like everyone's shitty to everyone at some yeah. point, you know? Yeah. And I, and I kind of, I think maybe when I'm writing a, a, a not so nice song about someone, that's when I keep it a little more yeah. ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when I'm writing a, a not so nice song about myself, I'm fucking overt about that. Yeah. So I have no, yeah. I'm like a, so I'm like a, a fucking master of self deprecation. Yeah. So then I'm kind of unlearning mm-hmm. uh, as I get older. But, uh, so that's always come out in my songs and yeah. And it still does a lot in what I write, like mm-hmm. the, 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 like, like there's these different versions of ourselves, I guess. Like there, there's me when I'm at work, there's me when I'm writing a song, there's me when I'm writing a poem and mm-hmm. none of them are false. They're all, yeah. they're all me, but with different, like, um, I guess like different ingredients. Like yeah. I'm making the same meal, but just kind of changing the, changing the, uh, uh recipe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so, so when I'm in, fuck, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I don't know. It happens. So, yeah, I guess just this idea of like, uh, uh, in occupying different forms of myself, like I'm speaking to different, like. Versions of yourself? Speaking to different versions of myself. And yeah. so like, I can definitely still fall into that self-deprecation yeah. mode where it's like, I'm speaking to the me that I know may not be the dominant me anymore, yeah. but was at some point very dominant. Yeah. And uh, I was a shithead, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, I, I was just a shitty, like, I was just kind of a shitty, not kind of, I was a yeah. shitty person to people I, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's like, just growth as a person is realizing your flaws and realizing that the times that you are bad to other people, because that's like one of like the big, uh, you know, sins of being a human in uh, we live in a society, right? <laughs> and like when you're shitty to another person for any reason, regardless of how shitty they are to start, that's kind of on you, you know? And as artists and people who are expressing our emotions, like I think it's it's very mature to be able to express that and realize like when, when we're in the wrong and, and admit it, you know? That's yeah. kind of like um, uh, part of like accountability, yes, you know? Which absolutely. I think is like important, especially as an artist. Yes, and I didn't, I don't think I really grasped that uh, the gravity of that yeah. at first, like, like you said earlier, um, the song help, like some songs help us work through something. Or yeah. That. Yeah. And I don't think I really appreciated the, 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 like the gravitas of that, like mm-hmm. just how, how much processing I was doing with music or yeah. poetry. I was kind of doing it intuitively, mm-hmm. as I, but as I grew up and wanted to be a more refined artist or whatever, I started yeah. thinking like, okay, what am I 
what was I saying with these? Yeah. I'm like, what yeah. was I trying? And then, you know, kind of in retrospect, you think sometimes I'll look at a song or a poem and I'll be like, oh, yeah, fuck, that's okay. Wow, yeah. I was going through this and I mm-hmm. didn't even realize that that's what I was trying to tell myself. Like, yeah. <coughs> <coughs> but I'm grasping that more and more now and yeah. understanding like the processing qualities of yeah. art. Yeah. And now yeah. that I think I have a, a, a stronger appreciation of that, it's broadened my taste. Mm-hmm. Like it's helped me free myself of these shackles of, of what I used to think was good versus what was not as good because of whatever quality it lacked. Yeah. Or didn't have. Mm-hmm. Now I'm, I'm able to kind of see how, you know, I think for, for, for a short time, for, for a period, I was really like wanting to be over technical. Yeah. Wanting to write chord progressions that were, so unconventional yeah and shit but then at some point that that can start to hinder you because Mm -hmm. it's like it's like i'm not gonna fucking like uh, like this idea uh, of erudition or like being super wordy or or Mm -hmm. or knowing big words and shit like yeah as i I say erudition (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but then you follow that with big words and shit (laughs) (laughs) erudition you know big words and shit uh it's kind of like that, that starts to bar you from, yeah. from some people. Yeah. And that's, and that's another reason like my refinement has changed in that I'm not refining it to be more technical. Yeah. Sometimes I'm refining shit and I'm like, I don't want to use that word because I don't want somebody to have to look up a fucking yeah. word that well, I'm saying. Like that's dumb. Yeah. Like, There's this, uh, you should need a dictionary to listen to my shit. Like, yeah. That's not what I'm well, trying to do. It's about communicating with your audience, exactly. right? And being clear. When but, you're there's a saying, I think, I forget what it is, but it's basically, I don't even know, I'm, I might be thinking of something that's like a French saying or something, but uh, it's basically like the voice of the people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like a Vox Populi or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, in order to communicate with the com with, I don't even want to say the common people, but like with your audience, you have to speak the same language as your audience. Yeah, you, you know? don't want to put yourself above yeah. them. Otherwise, it's like, <laughs> this song... This song can only be consumed by like a master's, someone with a master's in English or something. Yeah, you know? and I used to yeah. kind of. Oh, there's no one. Uh, I used to kind of fucking play too heavy into that because yeah. uh, you know I think there's so many complexes that feed into this. Yeah. yeah. This growing up in in the hood and and mm-hmm. being a nerd. Yeah. Was one complex I had. Like, yeah. I fucking grew up in the hood, but I read comic books and yeah. fucking you know played Magic the Gathering and shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like. Uh, having to to tell all these lines and shit and and realizing that at some point the 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 refinement shouldn't be placing me apart from from everybody else it should yeah. be placing me in within that group like if you're not writing your shit to be understood what the fuck are you writing it for yeah so so i stopped using big fucking words and like <laughs> st- you know every once in a while i'm well tempted said. to still use a big word yeah and i'm like you know is that gonna be is that something that can be conveyed through context yeah well, yeah well enough there you go yeah and if it's not well enough conveyed through context then i need to think of a uh, not even simpler because i think simple kind of sometimes has this it's connoted like it's it's less than yeah yeah worse. but it's not but sometimes simplicity is the is the beauty and yeah in which like like you said that inexplicable thing sometimes you can listen to something and not know why it feels so good and mm-hmm. that, that simplicity of the reaction yeah is beautiful yeah or you can meet somebody and not exactly know why you click mm-hmm. but you have you know you're able to to you have this rapport and shit and for sure there, there's a beauty in that kind mm-hmm. of um lack of uh knowing exactly what's going on and and songwriting c- kind of gives you that too because 
when you approach a song, you don't really know where it's going to mm. end up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You kind of go into this. You're on this journey with the song. Yeah. And the sh- sometimes writing a song tells you how to write it. Like, that's that's one of the things that I love about starting with a chord progression is, like, I'll, I'll have this chord progression that kind of tells me what the melody and the words should be. Yeah. And once I get that first template, then I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was going to write about this today. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that that I was like ready to talk about that issue, you know? Yeah, And exactly. then when the song is done, you've gone through that journey of working through those things and realizing how you want to convey that emotion and say what you need to say. Yeah, and that's why I just, I'll, and I love those parts of like the songs, like my favorite songs where mm-hmm. like that one part of the song just like fucking hits. Like, yeah, yeah. <coughs> because that's, I feel like that's when I find the the point that they the were the point of the song. Yeah, that one line that you're like, I bet this was the yeah the crux. Know, when the crux. It's, of it. Maybe it's not the first thing that they wrote, <coughs> but it's when they realized what they were working through. Yeah. they finally got to that point where like, I'm getting it out there. And like, what's the uh, uh, the Death Cab song I was just listening to? That hella has something like identifiable like that. I feel is the crux. Oh, uh, Expo eighty six, mm-hmm. where he's like. Uh, he says, and it's strange. They're all basically the same. Yeah. So I don't ask names anymore. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. that is the crux of yeah. that whole song and possibly even that whole fucking album mm-hmm. is like the, that line. Yeah. And so I, good. So when I hear that line, mm-hmm. I feel like I could feel everything he felt writing that album. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, that's what the whole album's about. Yeah. Like everybody feels the same and he feels like nothing's different. So why am I doing it? Like it doesn't yeah. even matter who they are. Mm-hmm. They're just another person and I'm just me forever. And like, yeah. it's, it's totally Damn. sad as fuck. Like, and that album is sad. As yeah. Fuck. But like, I love that album because it's sad as fuck. Yeah. And because he just is like, he was one of those first people I really felt like was being so unabashedly honest with mm-hmm. his sadness. Yeah. That yeah. It's like, Holy shit. Yeah. He's working through it. He's working he's, through it. Yeah. And, and to a degree like rivers in, in Weezer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like the blue album and Pinkerton are yeah. like, were really heavy for me. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember walking to tower records <laughs> uh, in, in, 19, Classic. in 1990, whatever, I think seven when Pinkerton came out, like yeah. going there to buy it mm-hmm. on CD and like, yeah. listening to it and fucking hearing El Scorcho and fucking, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he he to a degree was was doing that as well, like being very. He's working like he's his working album. He's working through it, yeah. But I feel like uh, 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 Ben Gibbard even more so. Though, yeah, was like this really raw. Mm-hmm. And Fiona Apple too, in the yeah. same way. Like she was, she was while a little less directly than he was because mm-hmm. she was just a little more kind of like artsy, I guess, for the time. She's yeah. a little more poetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she used <laughs> words like um um. <laughs> derisidum and shit, like Latin <laughs> words and I was like oh shit that's crazy yeah. but like they were working through shit and yeah. to, to be able to spot that made me want to do that so bad like, yeah. I was like I want I want to make something and somebody to hear it and be like oh shit like, yeah. I can tell exactly what the fuck this dude was feeling yeah I love when it comes to, like things that have influenced me or influences I love hearing those lines by some some musician that I like that just stick with me so much that like like you were saying about that line from Death Cab, like that's what that song is about. I, it's like those lines that if you were, were going to get a, a like a lyrical tattoo or something, oh, yeah, that's yeah. what you'd get on me. Like I have this one. Have you heard of this band, The Weaker Thens? No, I haven't. You should definitely check out The Weaker Thens. I, like I, I should everyone I like the name a lot. Yeah, Sorry. they're uh, <laughs> they're not a band anymore, but um, there's this line that just sticks with me from one of their songs. I love it so much. It's it's uh, in love with love and lousy poetry. And like to me, that like sums up 
music for me in general. It's like, <laughs> it's like kind of like this optimistic thing, but also saying like, I'm just throwing words out here, just trying to be real, you yeah, know, yeah. like, like, oh man, I just love that line. That's an awesome line. Yeah. And there's like, uh, going back to hop along too. There's, yeah. There's a song where she does like, she compares the sound of a train with like a laugh and she mm -hmm. says, ha 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 goes the train. Man. And it's just like that, that, like that shit is like seemingly so simple. Yeah. But it just like, just this idea, like every, she, you know, where she's from, she must be taking the train a lot. I think they're yeah. from Philadelphia. Th yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, you're taking the train a lot. And every time you're taking the train, it's just laughing at you. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. You where, can uh, almost imagine that. Imagine the rhythm of the sounds when you're like, yeah. when you are riding, like the few times in California, when you do ride public transportation, yeah. that ch -ch 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 or and something, and you so know, like even something as simple as that, like where it seems so, so broken down and mm -hmm. simple, just ha ha goes the train. Yeah. Yeah. Like, then you start thinking, like, well, what would the train be laughing at? It'd be laughing at all these people going. Yeah. Where are they going? Where are they going? They're yeah. just going the same places that they go yeah. all the time. And they're just getting laughed at because nothing's changing. It yeah. It's like all of these things. I just wanted so much for that to be something I could do. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I actually do write that way where I think in most all of my stuff, there is a crux. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a line that yeah. the whole poem or the whole song is based around. Yeah that line mm -hmm. like of one of the songs i had in mind for today like i say uh, uh like uh th the the chorus or whatever is just i don't want you to be alone if you don't have to be alone mm -hmm. and that's absolutely the crux of that song yeah like that's i may be saying other shit or expressing other sentiments but mm -hmm. they all rotate around this one idea of like that I don't want anybody to be alone if they don't have to be. Yeah. And I don't think anybody has to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like, I've totally modeled my own creative process mm. off of that idea. Yeah. And I think that, I think that often comes from poetry too, yeah. because it's a very literary form mm. and especially like uh, structured poetry. Like when you're reading sonnets or mm -hmm. there needs to be this in some of those structured po poetic forms, there needs to be this refrain. Yeah. Or there yeah. needs to be something that comes back. Like, this is the point. And so a lot of times it's the chorus of a song. Yeah. And that's kind of why they're a chorus, because when it was a chorus, there'd be a whole group of people saying it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and it would be, you know, the person doing a monologue and then mm -hmm. the chorus, a whole bunch of people to accent this one point. Yeah. But sometimes I really enjoy when it's not the like I especially mm -hmm. like it when it's not the chorus. Yeah, I love I the like the verses when the verse is like because the verse is the story, it's the narrative, right? And yeah. the chorus is the topic. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love it when when someone hits something super powerful in a verse, you know? Yes, and that's why. I, or a bridge, or something. or just a bridge, and yeah. that's why I think that line from Expo '86 hits so hard because yeah. it is just like a. Yeah. It's in the little transitionary. Part. Yeah. That part only happens at once. Yeah. He only says that line once. There's a chorus to the song, mm -hmm. which is also great. Uh, yeah. Lyrically too. But yeah. like still somehow that the crux is, is mm -hmm. and I just think that's another one of those ways you can play with conventionality to really make something yeah. hit. Like, and, and again, being a singer songwriter gives you this like ability to really, for sure, to really capture that. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I really gravitate towards singer songwriters who I can tell are doing that. Like, yeah. Who are looking to, 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 to twist your attention mm -hmm. and make it so that this is an active thing and it's not just a passive thing that you're, that you're listening to, you know? Yeah, definitely. It, it, it snatches you up. Like mm -hmm. the ha ha goes the train. When she starts singing it, she's very like throaty and like yeah. saying, laughing with her whole body mm -hmm. and it pulls you out of the song. Like you're like, Oh, she's what is she laughing at? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you weren't listening to the song, you'd hear her laughing mm -hmm. and you'd be like, what is this? 
song like somebody yeah sang. and so uh that's just like one of those singular things i think that singer songwriters get to really play with mm -hmm. and and also in bands when the rapport is really good yeah between the person writing say the the main mm. compositionary part and the the lyricist or the vocalist writing if they yeah. write it together or separately mm -hmm. um but i think it gives us an opportunity as singer songwriters and and i just i i, I appreciate the the that kind of that kind of um distinct quality that singer songwriters mm. get yeah yeah and that's definitely. why i gravitate to most you know i hardly ever like somebody who doesn't write their own music write their own music yeah and yeah. every once in a while i can dig on you know i'll hear a pop tune and i'll be like oh yeah that's yeah good. yeah and i know they didn't write that shit but like yeah. whatever there's certain things about pop music i like when i'm in the right mood but definitely like most of my you know the things that i are my favorites are like this this person is a singer songwriter whether they're in a band or yeah or playing pop music or not they definitely are writing the you know the structure and mm -hmm. the story yeah. you know cool um dude you down to play um play a song or two yeah, hell yeah. cool cool before we uh uh transition like we'll set up some different microphones cool. um do you want to like tell tell the podcast listeners where they could find you and interact oh, with yeah. you in Good the world idea. on the internet somewhere so you can find uh me on Bandcamp. Uh, smokerbuddy.bandcamp.com that's my solo rap stuff uh, and uh, there's also an album on there that I did with uh, my friends Jonah and Tim back in fuck like 2007 or 8 um, and then you can find uh, my stuff with Tim that we talked about mm -hmm. earlier on stiltlives.bandcamp.com like stilts like you would be on stilts uh, s-t-i-l-t-l-i-v-e-s dot bandcamp and then my singer songwriter stuff i mostly just have on youtube right now as i've taken down like any recordings because they were mad old and like pretty mm -hmm. terrible <laughs> so now i'm like actually working on uh getting my shit ready to record and so i've been writing bass lines and and kind of imagining drum parts in my head but yo if anybody's out there and wants to play <laughs> drums and bass and you like what you hear hit me up um you can find me also on instagram and twitter at smoker buddy and I share pretty much everything I make. So, like, if I write a song, I share it. If I write a poem, I share it. That's kind of just my MO. So, like, if you're looking for fucking wanton, <laughs> just wanton fucking <laughs> displays of emotional of emotional output, that's what I got going on on all of those platforms. I'm on uh, Facebook if you want to use that whack-ass platform. I still have it uh, <laughs> for no reason. Melchor Sagoon, the third. If you can figure out how to spell it, you'll find it. Um where else am I on the internet? I think that's about it. That, that kind of sums up everything. But yeah, find me. And uh, if you want to play music with me, that'd be fucking cool. Cool. Uh, Meltro, thank you so much for yeah, being on you, the man. podcast. This is fucking fun as shit. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, yeah, shout out to Stockton. Also, real quick, yeah, shout definitely. out to Stockton because I think people have a, a, a severe misunderstanding of how much talent Dude, Stockton has. This this podcast so far is only there's only been one person who hasn't been from Stockton on it yet. And the topic of like the topic du jour on almost every uh every podcast has been Stockton and like how it's a fucking dude, great place. Yeah, yeah. It's so so rich in so much more rich in culture and and art and creatives than people think. Absolutely. Um so uh I just did a, I have a, a second podcast. It's called The Monthly Show. Yeah, I saw that one um, with Amber. Yeah, yeah, I just launched it with Amber. Awesome. And one of the things that we were touching on, one of the things that I love about Stockton, just to like gush a little bit before we, we go into the songs, 
is um, people in Stockton, there's so many creatives, but one of the things that I respect about everyone is this like, um, it's beyond DIY. Like, you know, DIY is like, you could do it yourself, just do it, yeah. right? But it's it's the fact that people, people see this like space of something missing, whether it's like uh, an open mic night for music or stand up yeah. poetry or or writing songs or being in a band, there's this like doability. There's like people just say like, oh, this thing is missing. I better do it. Yeah. You know, it's like that um, that response to like a need or a response to a want. You and know? I think and I love that. I think that's part of like what comes out of growing up in a place like Stockton. Yeah. Like, you yeah. kind of see the need for something and you know that, you know, Stockton's the type of place where you kind of have an understanding of like there's not nobody's going to provide for you in all of yeah, those situations. Yeah. And when I was younger, when I was a teenager, there was a thriving music scene. Yeah. We had yeah. shows all the fucking time. Yeah. Every weekend we were at shows. Yep. Uh, doing acid and shit. <laughs> uh, but no, not all the time, just sometimes. Yeah. So. Sorry, mom. Uh, and, uh, but it kind of died down for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then as I reached about, uh, you know, in my early thirties, it started really swinging back. Yeah. And now yeah. I feel like it's so strong. And I know so many people, even substantially younger than me, you know, yeah. 19 year olds, 20 yeah. year olds. Yeah. But there's this, that fucking, that drive and that impetus is, mm-hmm. is still there. Yeah. Like that, that idea that like, we're doing it for each other here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck up, fuck what's going on. There's out, a support there. system. Yeah. yeah. And so that's back. And I mm-hmm. love, and I love that. And, and the fact that I've actually been welcomed into that by, mm-hmm. some, by some people. Yeah. There's this, I, I don't want to say cross generational because it it's is, it like nine, though. like I'm in my thirties too. And, you know, I'm going to open mics and shows and, and talking to people who are, are like 19 and 20 and, it is and a stuff. different and generation. Yeah, it's a different generation, but at the same time, there's this, like, uh, welcomeness, you know? And and one thing I will say about the Stockton scene now that maybe in the past I feel like it was harder to find is this, like, cross-genre. Yes. Uh, like, it doesn't matter what you're playing. In, in the past, it was, like, people are playing hardcore, go here. It was, people yeah. playing emo, go here. And, and, was, and like, there's a little bit of crossover and like things like punk and hardcore and yeah, emo and indie, but it wasn't but as as mixed as it is nowadays. It's like, like you are doing a thing that is creative. That's awesome. I support you. Like if you're doing yeah. like hardcore, that's fucking awesome. You know, and I, I think that's like Stockton as like this uh, entity that produces creatives has matured to that point yes. where we're like just very like cross generational cross uh cross pollinating with these genres and when and i was I younger it that. wasn't quite like that yeah like yeah. Uh, uh, i was in a band called white chocolate and we're very dude <laughs> i was gonna talk to you about white chocolate oh, yeah, for yeah. some I reason was, actually I, in, I, I played bass in white chocolate and uh and sang backup and oh, i forgot the, about that the singer songwriter mike henry we had quite a falling out um, yeah it happens in it Stockton. happens uh yeah. but uh musically we're very similar and yeah uh, so his stuff was like kind of our stuff is kind of similar to each other but we would often get <laughs> we would often get booked to play with fucking hardcore bands yeah i remember that uh <laughs> and so it'd be it, really was funny. uh what's his name um or manager uh ming? ming was it ming yeah ming yeah. was our manager he's a fucking piece of shit uh, yeah <laughs> he took money from like countless bands and shit i'm back sure then. So, yeah so there was this huge drama but he would book us with these because he managed all these other metal bands. Yeah, shit. metal. Yeah. And every once in a while it would go okay, but man, most of the time I felt so fucking awkward, like because I felt like they were not, mm-hmm. they weren't receptive to it. Yeah, and, and because yeah. there wasn't as much cross pollination. I definitely okay. So I don't know if you were in White sometimes. Chocolate at the time, but I saw White Chocolate at something that Ming probably put on probably. with Betty Rage. 
which I think Better Age and White Chocolate would be fine together because it's crossed. Yeah. But then there's also like Luxed. You oh know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. And, I think I was yeah. in then. Yeah, and I remember Lux. Yeah, yeah. It was just like yeah, Lux is like that Sacramento band. Like new, it was like new metal. Yes, you know. And played with so many bands. Yeah, Shorty and like yeah, Shorty, yeah, new metal shit. Like yeah, it was tough. Crazy times. It was tough that we had to. I mean, like I do appreciate back then that there were some of those shows where there was like cross genre. For the few people that liked it, it was cool. But the problem back then was the support system wasn't there. No fans were like. Like I, I probably saw people throw stuff at White Chocolate on stage because they're like, "I'm here to see new metal," and it was like some sometimes show, I could just look at their you know? fucking face, yeah. and they just had this look like, "What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah, like why are you singing like that?" And so, yeah, so, I feel but like now it's nowadays not. people support that. They're like, "Whoa, yes. this is different. I did not expect this." And I've had people come yeah. up who I've played uh, with at art shows and stuff mm-hmm. where we played hella different music, and they yeah. they've come up to me and be like dude like i really liked your your stuff it's hella mm-hmm. different it's like melodic yeah we have and yeah. i'm like yeah i liked your like mm-hmm. uh i fucking love people like geo like yeah geo so, such a cool dude yeah uh, the homie mike no one's doing what geo is doing yeah you no know one. and the homie mike sam and diego like yeah dude. An, another dude who is yeah he was like, on the podcast oh awesome yeah, yeah another dude who i met and they're like though we may have been from different groups mm-hmm. like we met and had a quick like appreciation and respect uh, yeah. for each other and that and those those two dudes along with like a few other mm-hmm. people in the, in the younger groups kind of really helped me in a, in a big way because being a little older, I, I get kind of reserved sometimes. Yeah. Like I feel like I might not fit in. Yeah. Don't belong. I, I feel I'm that way sometimes almost, too. Straight up. I'm yeah. almost 40. So yeah. it's like, shit. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I don't like, are these people going to give a fuck what I'm saying? But the response has always been so warm. Yeah. And so I'm just so thankful that Stockton has that and it has, uh, the scene that it does now because yeah. I think more more importantly than what it can do for me, I think I value it because I can see what it's doing for people that yeah, come, came definitely. after me and people that will continue to come after. Yeah, yeah. I hope it just keeps up that exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so shout out Stockton. Shout out to Stockton. Everybody's fucking awesome. I love you. Yeah, <laughs> dude, nothing but love. Um, Yeah, dude, let's play some, some music. Sick. Yeah. Let's do it. This song is called Fail Safely, and it's uh, the goal is to write something under 90 seconds. So I think this song is just just over a minute long. But I wanted it to be something short but uh, strong, I guess, in in what it conveyed. So I tried to make it as sad as possible. (laughs) So here it is. As far as problems go, as much as they'll come home, they're meant to leave. Former focuses, promoted hopefulness they'll make their scene, their fight with me. So this song is called Any Less Nighttime, and I guess it's kind of, uh, it's kind of about the, the, the lonely moments, I guess, late at night when you're feeling like 
you're so isolated and shit. And I just, <laughs> at the point I was writing this song, I was having this turn in my personality and life where I was starting to see everybody a lot softer and not as uh, judgmental as I had once been. And so this song is kind of like my, uh, my ode to people as, uh, as, as we are complicated creatures. <laughs> Don't 
want you to be alone if you don't have to be alone I don't want you to be alone if you don't have to be alone I don't want you to be alone if you don't have to No resolution.